people of the world. Ty Lasseter is hey, back hey, in the mix. Hey, back again, back again, He's ready to back. go. You, so you were pretty much all over the entire face of the planet. Uh, yeah, over, over a weeks. month. Over a month, we've been out, and y'all have picked up well. Boone did some good ones. I watched those, but I'm excited to be back. Yeah, I've been all over the planet for uh, the last five weeks, basically. It's, so, uh, it's tough it's nice to be back. Actually, I got back, though, and got just swamped with 108-degree weather. Um, oh yeah. Well, I was in Africa. That's the it great state of Texas. Well, South Africa, it's they're uh, ending their winter right now. So it was like oh, really? forty degrees at night. It was yeah, it was fifty during the day. It was amazing. I could go for a little bit of that. Oh, right it was now. nice. It was nice. <laughs> Cape Town was cold because it was really windy. But I love it. Yeah. All right, so. guys, we're gonna hit you with the intro, and then we're gonna be going over breaking down a market which. Ty will be taking that part. I'm over. excited. Yeah, I'm going to take that part over because we're actually going into a new market right now. So I'll have some like uh, some some experiences and some we'll be able to use some some of our uh, what we're doing right now and what we're implementing. And I'll be able to use that as kind of a live uh, example. It's a beautiful thing. And we've got some Q&A at the end of the episode. So stick around. Cash, cash, coming in fast. Relative info on investments that will smash. Miss out on this, you'll be coming in last. Acoustic force, bringing the intro blast. Hey, this is Vanilla Ice, and I'm chilling with my man, Ty Lassiter. And I want to tell you one command. Stop, collaborate, and listen. Key City Capital is about to throw down. So get it how you live it, and always remember, cash, cash, baby. <laughs> Bet. I have had a number of sellers that have told us that we got the deal because we touched their their property, we touched them, we had marketing to them, we were in front of them more often than our competition was. Oh yeah, back in the we're mix. We're back, we're back. I'm excited. Like, like I said, we're actually going into a new market right now um, in another state, and so... We'll get to use that as an example and kind of. So, how many markets are you in already? Because you do Houston. Yeah, we do Houston. So we're in one, two, three, four. We're in five here in Texas. The college market. Yeah, east, we're in. We're in. Uh, yeah, we're in three east. different college markets here okay. in Texas as well. So we're in five markets here in Texas. Then we're in uh, two markets in Ohio, and then in a different market in Missouri, um, and then now we're working on a couple in Florida. So one of the ones in Florida is the new one that I'm going to kind of use it as an example here. Nice today. Um, and then we'll be going into uh, um, two more states uh, within the next two months. Wow. So, yeah. A lot of expansion. Yeah, a lot of expansion. So, so where's the new market? Exactly are you going to tell people no, or are you just going to break it down? I'm going to break it down. I'm gonna, uh, I mean, I've, we've done some others on how we choose a market. I may go in. Uh, we may do another another podcast on that again, exactly how we choose markets. Right. Um, but this is after we've chosen a market. I'm going to go in today on exactly how we break that market down and how we go in and implement our strategies and our plans there, how we decide what strategies we're going to use. Actually, we got a really good question. One of the questions was, um, what's the acquisition strategy oh, that, Andrew. that you use when we enter a city? Yeah, so nice. one from Andrew. So that's one of the ones that was uh, on the, uh, they, uh, he actually posted on my post. And I've got a couple of others that were uh, private messages to me that were that were good ones as well. So nice. anyway, I'll kind of talk about that later on, on what our strategy is once we get there and how we choose that strategy. Um, and so I'll answer that a little bit during this podcast. I got to let everyone know I'm live with the world yeah, famous absolutely. right now. Um, but yeah, so, so this is going to be coming in. We've already chosen the market that we're going to. So how do we break that market down? We need to do a whole different segment on, you know, actually choosing the market. Right. So... 
you know, once you choose a market, you've come into a market, what are the strategies that you've got to do? And there's, there's four really key things that you have to do. Um, it typically takes myself and my team um, anywhere from a week and a half to three weeks to do this. Um, when it's out of when it's out of state specifically, it takes a little bit longer. We go in there and we spend some time there and, and focus on these four things first, really before we do anything at all. When it's here local, it's easy because we can do it simultaneously like as we're doing other things when it's here right. in Texas. Um, so anyways, like my, my team and I were spending a couple of weeks in this market uh, two weeks from now. We'll go out there, we'll be there. Um, we've already got meetings set up. Uh, we've got a realtor that we're gonna work with. Um, now, we do work with realtors initially when we go into to new markets um, to find some of the data that we need. Um, and then we also will utilize those realtors for a number of other things. We obviously take good, good care of our realtors um, you know, for whatever it is that we're using them for, um, but we're not always using them to do fix and flip retail sales. Right. And, and so we have to figure out creative ways to, to compensate them for their time, for their efforts and things like that. And then obviously we refer business to them as we start really moving forward into our strategies in that, uh, in that market. So let's get started. So the first thing that we do, we've chosen the market that we're in, we go in and we start focusing around um, the growth areas of the city. So I use a couple of things. I use census.gov and I use FHFA.gov. And so those two things show us really where, um, where we want to focus our efforts in those markets. So what okay? is FHFA so, for, for Path um, and Newbie? Federal Housing um, Something Authority. Okay, cool. Know, it's a government website that shows, it's a housing authority website that, that you can go on. And it really shows us what areas are growing, where they're growing from. So obviously right now, Florida is a, Florida by and large is a growing market, but it's growing from the Northeast. So a lot of the Northeast baby boomers are retiring South to where it's a warmer climate, it's lower cost of living, there's Got no it. state income tax. Yeah. So if they wanna continue earning or whatever it is that they wanna do kind of in retirement, maybe it's a second job or a later job, um, maybe it's something part-time or just a lower cost of living in general. Um, they can move into a market like Florida and enjoy basically a year-round lifestyle right. as opposed to being in New York where there's a high cost of living and a shorter lifestyle because of the because of the weather changes and the climate changes, right? And so you can actually look and see where people are moving to an area and where they're moving from. And so then that helps you figure out, well, why are they moving here, right? And it gives you the age demographics and all these demographics. And so like this market that we're looking at now, um, it's a little bit different than what typical markets that we go into because it's got a couple of different um, key aspects in the market. Uh, typically, we go in, I talk about this all the time, there's colleges, banks, um, and uh, a, a strong financial sector, and then a strong medical sector as well. So this one has medical sector, and it has the banking sector. The universities are a little bit um, further away, so it's not a lot of college students that are there but there's a number of other driving factors in this area, okay? So, so we've come into this area and then we start looking at what areas on the map in that city are the strong areas in that market. What areas in that city are growing, are appreciating in value the most? We obviously wanna be around schools, we wanna be around whatever is attracting yeah, people to that market. you target a lot of college markets, exactly. I've noticed. So this market though, there's, there's beach and then there's two primary, um, two primary business driving factors that are in this market. 
And one of them is in an entertainment area. So there's a big entertainment area. I'm not going to go into what the other one is. It just kind of gives stuff away. But um, there's, there's two big job markets that hold a number of jobs that have a low likelihood of going away. Very low likelihood of going away. Got it. Um, there's a lot of state and community money that's being put back into this area. And, and like I said, it's a coastal, uh, it's on the coast. And so there's always going to be supply yeah, and demand 41, for the beach. Florida is wanting to grow their coastal areas because there's still a significant portion of Florida along the coastlines that has not really been mainstreamed and, and uh, populized as, as much as it could be uh, up to this point. Right. So there is some new construction going on in this area. So anyways, we find out those areas, the schools, if there's universities, the, the growing areas, um, the businesses that we want to be around, the markets that we want to be around. After we find those areas, we move to building out a map and a grid. Okay, so we get a, we get a blown up detailed map of the area. So like um, we've got a wall out in our office that has some of our maps on it. Yeah, right? I've seen it. And, and it's, they're, they're gridded out, almost like they've got blocks and there's some weird shapes on it and stuff. But we go in and we grid out and then we'll X out areas that we don't want to be in, right? So we don't want to be in this area. We don't want to be in this area. We don't want to be in this area. Here's the areas that we want to be in. But then once we go into those areas and start looking in those areas, okay, this is an area, this is an, this is an old area of the city. This is houses from the 40s to the 60s. This is a new area that has houses from the 80s to the 2000s. Got it. This one is start to kind of detail, the we targets. detail it out and look and see exactly what we're dealing with. Wow. Right? And so now we've built out this grid on the map of where we want to be. We know exactly the areas that we want to be in. Well, once we've done that, now we've got to go to the gatekeeper, which is a realtor. And I've talked a lot before about how we kind of come in and build a relationship with realtors. Yeah. We've got some on our team. Um, our COO is a former realtor, former KW. Um, she built teams for KW. So she's got a phenomenal relationship. Talk about KW. a company that's not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Right? I see those everywhere since I yeah. was a kid. Yeah. And, and they, but they are, they are revolutionizing and they are adapting to change right now. And that's, so you brought up a good point. And I always talk about how you change is how you succeed. And yep. so we, We've seen um, companies like uh, Fathom Realty and EXP come out with online portals and being able to, to offer online realty. Well, KW is doing the same thing right now, nice. right? But you've got companies, some of the other companies that aren't doing that. So they're still all brick and mortar. Eventually, brick and mortar realtor companies are going to go away. And KW has really taken the front of the market share and is, is building out a phenomenal program around that. But anyways, that's a different point. So, so our COO is former KW, built teams for them. She knows very well what she's doing, but she's got phenomenal relationships all across the United States with KW people. And so we'll go in there. We'll, we'll take this realtor to a three to $500 mill, something that they've never had, set them down and really dine them and, and really show them that they're important to us and what we're doing. Nobody else is offering that opportunity. Right. And so I tell, I tell my coaching clients this all the time. And, and I tell a lot of people that I work with, like, think about, Think about the relationships that you're creating and why you're building that relationship. Well, for us, this relationship is because that realtor has data that, that we need and we want. That's more accurate than anything that I can get from any of the other. And the more successful that person is, the more, the successful, more successful you are. are right? Everybody yeah, wins. And that's, that's the thing. That's, that's the thing with our clients. That's the, that's the thing with anybody that I work with. As long if you're successful, you're going to help me to be successful as well. Right. right. And so, and so we'll go in there and, they are going to have the details that I'm going to get into here in a minute that we need. Now I can get those things online. I can get them from some of the software that I use from, from Rich Dad. I'm, you know, Rich Dad, form, former Rich Dad student, Hall of Fame, 
Um, I could get it from Propelio. I could get it from um, a number of different online sites, but they're not as accurate as the actual data. And working with a face-to-face -face person and talking about talking to somebody People that power. knows the market very right. Well. And so, like like here in Texas, we have MLS access all over Texas because we have. Acquisit our acquisitions people, some of them are practicing realtors or they work, right? And so we have that access. We don't have that in Florida. We don't have that in some of the other states that we're in. And so we need to work with somebody there, build a relationship, and then we'll offer sometimes partnership opportunities for this realtor. Because, nice. You know, we may not be that the fact that I'll, I'll get into what we do when we get into the market. You know, like I said from uh, from Andrew's question with our exit strategy, well, most of our exit strategies are not retail sales. So a realtor can't really help us out there. And I don't need a realtor at all on the buy side. Like we don't need a realtor on the buy side as far as a transaction coordinator. Right. Right. And so we've got to figure out a way to get them compensated. So we'll partner with them. We'll give them a profit share in some of the deals that we do for, for them setting us up in, in the beginning. To, to get the property to the exactly. right person. To get, so that we know that we're getting the right data. Because that realtor ha is not incentivized whatsoever. If I just come in, I'm a... I'm an, uh, uh, an investor in the area. I'm a new investor. We're going to be buying five, 10, 20 properties this year, whatever it is. You know, they all use a different number. And I want to work with you exclusively. Um, here's the information I need. Well, how many people do you think they I was hear that say... spill from over and over and over? But then I come in, I buy them a $200 bottle of wine, and we go have a nice dinner. And right. We sit down, and then I give them a profit share in some of the deals that I do just because they're giving me the data that I need. When I get that data, I can be the best investor in the area because I have better information than anybody else has. Right. Right? So I'm going to go in. We're going to go through that meeting. And here's the things that I need. I need these averages. Okay? So first, you need the average price, the average home price in the area. What's the average price of a house that's selling? Is it $100,000? Is it $200,000? Is it a half a million dollars? What's the average house selling for? Okay? Then you need the average square feet of the house that's selling. So is it a half a million dollar house that's 2,500 square feet, right? And so now you know that it's $200 a foot or whatever it, it comes out to. Right. right. Or is it a 2,000 square foot house selling for $200,000, so it's $100 a foot, right? You don't necessarily need the price per foot, but you need the average price of home sold and the average square feet. And what that's going to do is it's going to allow you to build an, uh, a median, okay, that you don't want to get outside of. So if the average home right. that's selling is 1,700 feet, then you want to be looking and, and, and uh, acquiring homes from, if it's 1,500 feet, you want to go down to maybe 1,200 or maybe 1,100. You'll go plus or minus anywhere from two to 400 feet is what we do, depending on the area. Yeah, so, I'm seeing what you're saying. Right? So, so we go in, let's say it's 1,700 feet is the average house. Got it. But there's also a couple of houses on this data that, set, that are 1,200 feet. So I know that I would go from 17 down to 12. Right. And then they have houses that are all the way up to 24. There's one at 24, but there's four at 2,100. Because the smaller and one then, might be nicer. Yeah, it might be, but you don't want to get out of the-, the No, range. I get it. So that one 2,400 square foot house, I'm going to throw that out. Okay. There's four at 2,200. Okay, so I may go up to 2,200. So I'm right. going to go from 17- That's your max. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go from 17 down to 12 and up to 22. Got it. But if I get outside of those numbers, it's going to be more difficult to sell that house because if I'm below- the families that are living there, it's it's families, and they want that three two that's going to be in a fifteen hundred square foot to seventeen hundred square foot house. Right, like and us. if you've got the two one that's nine hundred feet, it may be a great house in that grid on that map in the nineteen fifties area, but it's not a good house in the nineteen nineties area. Yeah. Right. 
because of the families and the demographic of what's living there. So yep. maybe you've got the people that are at the retirement age that are relocating and they're living in the older, smaller two ones that are 900 feet, but you've got the vacation rentals that are 1,700 to 2,000 square feet. So those are families that are gonna be living in those or staying in those as vacation rentals. And then you've got retired couples that are living in the smaller houses. Oh. So you don't want that smaller house in the area where there's vacation rentals no. because they're not gonna to wanna to live in that house. Well, yeah, also you're right. on the flip side, you also don't wanna be the largest house in the area because the person, so, so let's say your average price is $250,000 and the average house is 1,700 feet. Got it. But you all of a sudden get a 2,400 square foot house in the area and if you're looking at price per square foot, well, you're gonna say based off of numbers that that 2,400 square foot house is worth $600,000 or whatever the math comes out to. Well, the person that can afford that house is not gonna live in the area where the average house is $250,000. Yeah, they're gonna take their 600,000 and they're gonna go live in a little bit smaller house in a nicer gated community, right? So you wanna stay inside those averages and inside those numbers. So now we've got the average price, the average square feet. You wanna know what the average bed and bath that's being sold is and what the average days on market of, of any house in the area. Because what that's gonna allow you to do is also build out a metrics for making offers based off of days on market. So if you've got a house that's been on the, on the market for, if let's say the average days on market is 42 days and you've got a house that's been on the market for 165 days, right. they're gonna be more motivated to sell because in somebody's mind, we're an instant gratification um, uh, economy. We're instant gratification people. So if somebody decides that they wanna sell their house and that realtor that they are working with comes in and says, hey, the average days on the market for this area is about 42 days on the market. Well, that realtor set an expectation level for that seller that they should be sold, they should have their house sold within 42 days. They get to 42 days and nothing's happened. They start to think like, what's going on? Maybe we made a bad decision with the realtor. Panic, they start panicking, right? Now they're out to 60 days, 90 days, and 165 days, something's really going on and they're motivated now at this point. Right, so that's that's one of the ways that we go in and make offers as well. Is based on that that information. Okay, so now you've got those averages. Well, what what you take from those averages then is we build out our maximum allowable offer based on this grid. So that's the fourth thing that we do is build out a maximum allowable offer based on the grid and based on the type of property. Okay, so we take a a nice house in a nice neighborhood that needs small cosmetic updates. So that's going to be a low a low end rehab. Got it. Right. Then we take one that's livable but needs work. Um, so it needs more than just cosmetic updates. It needs like maybe the bathrooms need to be gutted or maybe the kitchen needs to be redone. Needs some upgrades. But it needs some upgrades and it needs some significant work. And then we've got a total beater that's a gut job. Right. So that's on the amount of rehab that's needed. But then you've got another side of the rehab that is based on the, the area that it's in. Okay. So we're in so let's so we're in a coastal area. Um, some of these houses that we're looking at in this area, none of them, none of the short-term rentals have been updated, so they look like they're in the '80s still. So we could go with that model. That's that's what our competition is. Right. If we could price it to where we can do a rehab and upgrade just a little bit, then we'll be the best houses in the area. So our houses will move easier. But you've got to keep in mind that you don't want to outdo the area that you're in. So if all the other houses um, are outdated, well then you don't want to do a top-end rehab in an area where your competition is already outdated anyways. You want to do a moderate upgrade, right? Yeah. So so you want to break it down. If it's a if it's a really nice multi-million dollar neighborhood in DFW, 
well, you're going to do a high-end rehab. Well, yeah, you have to. Right? If it's in the first-time homebuyer's area, you're going to do a nice rehab, but it's going to be capped. You're not going to be putting marble in. You're going to put granite in. Okay? Got it. Right? You're not going to be putting brushed brass in, which is big right now, in some of the higher-end areas. You're still going to go with the builder-grade stainless steel. Right? And you're going to do some more builder-grade stuff, but it's going to be upgraded. Then you look at the lower income areas, the working class areas. That's an even lower rehab. Okay, so you've got a high-end rehab, a moderate rehab, or a low-end rehab. Okay, so we're talking like Formica countertops, laminate countertops, things like that. Shower inserts, not tile. Okay, it's not all hardwood floors throughout. It's carpet and tile. Got it. Okay, so there's a different grade of rehab. So now you combine the two of them. Right? How much rehab does it need? Is it is it nice house in a nice neighborhood and needs cosmetic updates? Then does it need high end, moderate, or low end? Then right. is it a livable but needs work? And which one of the three does it need? Or is it a total beater? And which of the three does it need? And so then that starts giving us a price point. So we have we have price ranges. Okay. So if we know that it's in an A class area, well we're going to need a top end rehab. Well then we look at these three and figure out which range of the of the three of homes is it in? Is it in a really bad condition or is it in decent condition? And we put together kind of a $10,000 range on the amount of rehab. Yeah, I'm done. visualizing okay? it. So now what we do is on that map, we say, okay, this is an A-class area. In this A-class area, we are only going to do high-end rehabs. Everything is going to have the, the nicest marble in it. It's going to have a clawfoot tub. You know, it's going to have this nice, beautiful master suite. You're going straight A's. Yes, straight A's. Okay, and so in that area, we put our range of rehab, anywhere from beater to nice house in a nice area, and we put the range of what that looks like. And we do that all across the entire map. Okay, so now we move over to a B-class area. So these, this area, it's gonna be a nice new rehab, but it's not gonna be that top-end rehab. It's gonna just kind of be a moderate level rehab. And then we move over to any of the C areas that we might wanna be working in or whatever the case, and we build that out. So now, now it's time we start making the offers based on this maximum allowable offer breakdown. We can look at an area and we know exactly what it looks like on the rehab side. And so now we use our questions when we start talking to sellers or owners of what does a house look like? And we move through our negotiation process based on what they tell us. And we can build a maximum allowable offer using the average data that we got. So if we go in and, and we're talking to a seller in an area where the average uh, square feet is 1,700 square feet, and this seller has a house that's 1,800 square feet, boom, we know that we're in the averages. So now we start looking at that price. So it's 1,700 feet, and let's say they're going for $200,000. Right. Well, we know that 1,800 square foot house will be a little bit more than $200,000 because it's within the range. It's only 100 square feet larger, so it's within that square foot range. So it's going to be valued at a little bit higher than the $200,000. Yep. So let's say it's at two ten. Okay. And then we go through the, uh, we, we look at the map, we know the area of the person that we're talking to, so we know the range of the rehab, what the rehab is going to look like. We start going through our questions with them. What does the house look like? Blah, blah, blah. Going through, does it need roof work? Does it need this? Does it need that? And, and we get a good idea of the house. Then once we've done that, we'll have one of our team members in the area go put eyes on it and confirm that the rehab is what it is. Right. And we can build our maximum allowable offer based off of that now. Yeah, so now I never have to go back to that market after going there because that realtor who I'm going to give a profit share in the properties with, she can start going and looking at the property. Yeah, you've kind of inserted yourself with your eyeballs into wherever you're walking into. So while we're there, while we're there in that market, we're going to actually, we've 
we built out this map based on data, based on looking at stuff that we can find online. So a lot of this homework can be done before I get there. So once I get there, I'm meeting with the realtor and we're going through figuring out what the numbers data is so that we can overlay it with this map. And then once we've done that, we start driving this map. And so that's what takes the time is we start driving this map and start actually confirming that the areas are what they are and what they think we are. So like we went into one area one time and we were looking and we kind of thought these houses looked a little bit different. They were very, this house looked very different than this house on Google Earth views and stuff. And they, from the, from the Google Earth and they had no street views of them. And so we get there and realized why they had, it had been people that had taken mobile homes and built roofs over mobile homes. So it was almost kind of like a mobile home park. So we immediately took that off of our market for that area because we right. didn't want mobile homes in this area. I've got mobile home parks, but this is not what we where we wanted. We did not want mobile homes in this city that we were going to be right. in. It just didn't have the driving factor and the economic factor that we wanted to, that was going to be basically a war zone, right? And so it was going to be very difficult to keep an occupancy rate that we needed in that area. So we immediately X that off after we drove that area and we saw it. Interesting. Then we went into another area and we're driving another one and we noticed that there had been a lot of new construction that had been stopped. And so there was a bunch of older houses, not, not necessarily older, they were five within five years of new construction. So they were like four to five years old old houses. But then there was also a bunch of new construction and the new construction looked at like looked like it had kind of halted. Well it's because they hadn't they hadn't um, occupied all of the houses that had already been built. And the growth to that area had kind of slowed down. They had put it on a golf course originally. Hmm. And that golf course was not a destination golf course. So it was a local golf course. And it was struggling. So the golf course was slow on business. And so obviously people didn't want to live in that area because the golf course the golf course wasn't driving the yeah. um, the results that they needed it to to have a There's a lot of factors in all of this. There's man. a ton of factors, right? So that's why once you decide to go into an area with the strategies that we use, right? we want to go put our actual eyes on the area. Now there's wholesalers, I know a number of wholesalers that wholesale all over the United States and they don't actually go put eyes on all the Yeah, time. virtual wholesale. Yeah, they're virtual wholesaling, but they're not keeping properties themselves in those areas. They're working with buyers in those areas and so they're finding what type of properties those buyers are, are likely gonna buy. Yeah, right? different and solutions. So, yeah, they build out their buyers list in that area and then they start marketing based on that type of a buyer in that area. Right. Okay. So with our with our focus, we're focusing on keeping properties ourselves. So we want eyes on the ground. And so that that runs us through each thing. We've we've chosen our market after we chose our market, we look at the factors in that market that are the areas that we want to hold properties in. Right. And there's certain key reasons, right? The schools, it's universities, it's growing areas based off of that census data that we've pulled up. Um, there's a number of different things that we go into with that. Okay. Then we pull out the map and we start building a grid off of that map. Right. Then we've got the gatekeepers or the realtors that we're going to work with. We're going to go in, we're going to work with those realtors and and build out our data our numbers data and then the last thing is we're going to build out our maximum allowable offers based on that grid and so we're going to have we're going to have those maximum allowable offers laid out in each of those grids on that map and so now our acquisitions team can go to work we build out our marketing we start marketing and our acquisitions team starts just pounding the phone right and getting on the marketing at that point and so that's how we really yeah it's a lot of stuff i'm gonna um I'm going to actually take the information and plug it into the description too. So yeah, that people can absolutely. have those you four can steps. Have those notes. I can exactly. visualize it because I stood here and you went over the whole thing with yeah. me. 
but just in case people yeah, we'll wanna... transcribe it out. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. But wow, that's that's very advanced. And so I like that Andrew actually had that phenomenal question. He kind of read it. I'm going to kind of go into it. He, he did. He did. And that's that's very good. I've I've actually talked to Andrew before on the phone. He's very left brain, very analytical, and so I knew um, he was really looking. He was kind of like I talk about a lot of the times. You've got to focus as an entrepreneur eight steps right. in advance of where you're at, and that was. Andrew, that's a phenomenal. I want to let you know that's a phenomenal job. Yeah, he read the field that. very he well. He did, and so he <laughs> he actually kind of directed me in the way that he wanted this uh, with this podcast nice. to go to get those those questions answered. And so I know Andrew's a, a smart, a really smart guy. And so um, I'll, I'll kind of go into his real quick. The three questions that I'm answered. I've, I had I had I think five or six that were posted live on the comments, and then I had um, I think I had nine or ten um, private GMs. messages. And so. Uh, I'm going to do one of Andrew's. What is the acquisition strategy being used when we enter a city? Um, the other one that I'm going to answer is my market is oversaturated. Should I start somewhere else, like in a different market? Uh, and then just got started three months ago. What should I be focusing on? So I'll go down those kind of. You what, do that. I'm going to run. What is the more acquisition? Coffee. How about okay, that? that real quick as you I take it over. This. What's the acquisition strategy being used when we enter a city? So. For example, this this market that we're moving into right now um, doesn't have all of the uh, the criteria that I typically look for in a long term buy and hold market. So what I've talked about before is I want college universities as one of the driving factors. Then I also want medical and financial. It does have medical and financial, but it's got a couple of the other factors that that I liked about it. It had two really really strong large scale business businesses and employers that actually employ over 5,000 people between the two of them. So it's a very strong economy. There's a number of other um, growing businesses there and things like that. There's also a ton of vacation there. And there's a large amount of, uh, of growth in the area from people relocating from the Northeast. So our acquisition strategy is not the same for every market. However, we do have an acquisition strategy that's focused around our holding strategy first or what we're going to do with properties and then with anything that we do in excess we'll wholesale okay so what I mean by that is this market for instance we're going to be focusing on short-term rentals it's a short-term rental market it's got some phenomenal areas for short-term rentals that have a lot of opportunity on water that we want to focus on so what we want to do with that though is we don't want to go in and be very slow to scale and slow to market. We want to come in and be and, and scale quickly enough to have a full support system in the area. We want to be able to build out our property management. We want to be able to build out our construction teams. We want to be able to, to build out local lenders if we're going to use local lenders. Now, not right now, we've got lines of credit that we can use in almost all 50 states with a number of different lenders. And so we don't necessarily need the local lenders but we do like to keep some of the money local. And so when we'll do refinances, we'll go local if we can, because uh, there's a lot of opportunities built around investors um, and investor type programs and local community banks. And so we'll build a relationship there. And that's one of the reasons that we go and spend time in these areas before we get there, right? So what we wanna do is we wanna be able to go into a market and have at least 25 properties within the first 60 days, really quickly, right? because we don't want to have one, two, and three properties that we're having to deal with that are half of a country away. Uh, because then when you have a problem, the cost for that problem 
is too significant. But when you have 25 properties, and if you have a problem and one of us has to, one of the partners or um, some key individuals need to go out there, well, we can lay that cost across 25 properties really quickly. Okay, so we want to go in and we want to be in multiple, we want to have multiple properties, be at scale as quickly as possible. Um, and whether that's short-term rentals or whether that's long-term rentals on our financing, rent to own, or if we're going to be doing retail sales, fix and flips, whatever the case, whatever the strategy may be, we want to get to scale as quickly as possible. Okay, then once we do that, once we get to that scale, keep in mind, we will drive enough marketing to drive to drive enough leads to get to that scale, like I said, within the first 60 days, okay? So once now we're 60 days in and we still have that marketing going, there's no reason to slow it down because what we'll do is we'll slow down our holds and we'll start getting some active income as well, okay? So we've gotten to 25, now we'll scale back and we'll keep three to seven each month ourselves, and we'll start building a, a, a partner relationship with some key partners that want to be invested in that area as well. And we'll start offering turnkey properties or we'll start offering some of our properties to those investors. Okay, so now we may end up and we're six months in and it'll be ourselves and five to maybe seven key relationships and key partnerships with some other investors that want to be active in that location as well. And, and so some of our uh, some of our partners that we've got, we've got, you know, a, a 65, 70 partners that we work with in, in areas across the United States. We've got a lot of those coming down to our event in Houston that we're doing in a couple of weeks that are, um, that are going to come and really have a nice experience for our partners and things like that. But what we want to do is we want to create a, an opportunity and some relationships in that area that we can work with and we can build a large portfolio together. Okay, so now we've got our 25 and then we're adding three to seven to that every month. And then we start, you know, we, we start two to five, we'll offer to this partner, two to five to this partner each month. And so now we've got ourselves and, you know, five to seven partners in that area that starts building a portfolio. And then our portfolio gets to, you know, 50 to 100 within that first year very quickly, maybe the first 18 months. But then we've got those other five to seven partners and they start building their big portfolio there as well. And now we have a large scale um, and a large economy in that in that one market. And so we can start vertically integrating our businesses like what we like to do here in Texas. And we put in our uh, property management. So it becomes our own property management team. It, can, it becomes our uh, financial team there that's doing the finances for everything. It becomes our construction team. So we have a full turnkey process in that market, right? And so that's how you go from choosing a market all the way to scaling that market and really vertically integrating your business in that new market. So Andrew, hopefully that answers your question. Next question that I got, my market is oversaturated, should I start somewhere else? Um, so I was actually uh, talking to somebody about a similar question to this yesterday, um, uh, a possible new coaching client of ours. And so, you know, he's in a market that is very saturated, um, a lot like Dallas, Dallas area is right now. There's a lot of hedge funds coming in from New York, from California that are okay with taking smaller returns because they grow so quickly. They get so many properties and they have so much capital that needs to be placed. So it's, it's, it's a hedge and, and they, they know that real estate is a stronger market to be in than the stocks. And so they'll take, um, a, they'll take assets that are not paperback, they're physical backed assets in real estate um, a lot safer return 
and build wealth through real estate. And so they drive up an economy and, and it makes it tough to, uh, tough to compete. That being said, we still do phenomenal in Dallas Fort Worth market. So, you know, if you're getting started and, and that, um, that's a, a mental block for you, well, then you can use exactly what I just walked through to breaking down a different market and you can go get in a different market very easy. It's never been an easier time than it is right now to be US wide or global. I've got global businesses now because of the internet and because what data can do for your business. So you can live in any market and be investing in a different market very easily. I know a number of people that do that. And so if, you're, if you have a mental block on your market and you're having a tough time getting over that, then absolutely you can go get into another market. Whether you should or not, that's a difficult question to answer. For me, I didn't really care about competition. I knew that if I focused on what I needed to focus on, the leads would come that I need and we would build a business that we need. So if you'll build out a process, if your market's oversaturated, or if you've got a, you know, I was talking with, I've got a, another fellow investor that's in the Los Angeles market and was talking to him a couple of days ago about their properties there. They're buying the same types of properties that we are. The, the properties look similar in age and quality and things like that, but they have another zero after them. There's no difference. It just means that the data in that area justifies an extra zero at the end of the property because of the, because of the economy, because of the market. There's no difference. You've got to get the zeros out of your mind and start focusing on the data that I just broke down, those four pieces of data, right? You target your market. Why are you in this market? Once you've decided why you're choosing this market, what are the driving areas of that market, right? Then you build out your map, you grid it out, you get the averages that you need from your, from your realtors, and you build out your maximum liable offer. And whether it's got one zero or four zeros after it or 10 zeros after it, it doesn't matter, right? So building out that market, finding that market, and is it oversaturated or not? Should I start somewhere else? That's very easy to overcome if you utilize this data, right? And then the third question is, I just got started three months ago. What should I focus on now? Well, I'm gonna look at this question in two parts. First of all, I hear people tell me all the time, I just got started. Well, what's just got started? If you just got started, that means you started this week. But three months ago is not just getting started. You've been going for three months. I mentioned just a minute ago that within the first 60 days, so the first two months, we wanna to be to 25 properties in a market that we go in, right? So somebody is giving themselves an excuse by saying that I just started three months ago. But that excuse is built around, they don't know what to do. More than likely, they haven't surrounded themselves with the right people. They don't have the right relationships. Maybe they don't have a coach or somebody that's that's building their that's building their confidence and building their 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 tools or their expertise. And so they don't know what to do next. And so they start taking a few steps, and they don't see immediate results. And so they think that those steps are wrong. So they do something else, and they they keep bouncing around. So what you've got to focus on if you just got started is first you got to focus on a process, right? There's a process around success. Success is very simple. If you build your process and you implement your process, just went down breaking down a market and the process around that, right? So now you've broken down your market and you start your marketing, build a process around your marketing and get after it. Your focus needs to be on generating leads. How quickly can I generate leads? Not chase one deal. How quickly can I generate leads and filter through those leads? If I generate a hundred leads, how many, how many, how many deals do I get out of hundred leads? If that's two and you need four deals a month to get to, to, to live off of, then you know that you need 200 leads. 
How much marketing does it take you to get 200 leads, right? So this is all data. You've got to track everything that you're doing in your business. So build a process around, here's what I did today. Document that. Do it again tomorrow and see what the results are. And continue to document as you go and then tweak that process as you go so that you can dial it in and become successful at it. But then the other thing that I would suggest, um, you know, what should be you be focusing on and, and you're just getting started, focus on partnerships and relationships. Entrepreneurship is a relationship business. It's, I can, you know, I can I agree with that. I had, a, I had a conversation yesterday with somebody that I'm super excited to, to, to with what we've got coming. I'm super excited for him to announce, you know, what we've got going on and some opportunities that we've got. But that happened because of a relationship and building a relationship. And you got to put time yeah, and effort like, into it. And into guess what? Everything. Time and effort costs you money. It does. It costs you time, money, and, and effort. Like you said, like, it doesn't matter what you do. Your your marriage takes time and effort and Absolutely. money. Absolutely. Right? The more effort, it's my wife's birthday today, right? I woke up earlier this morning so that I could go pick her up coffee and breakfast before I went to work out and before I came into work. Right. Right? And that's an example on her birthday, but... I mean, it takes time and effort in a marriage. Like, there's there's weeks and days. I traveled a lot. Dude, you were literally gone the whole month. Yeah, that's a strain, right. right? So marriage takes work. Like, it takes communication. I was on a completely different. I was I was a day ahead. So I, our communication. And your was son still difficult. had commercial tryouts. Yeah, yes, exactly. He's on so, the front of some super right. soaker box and or so, whatever. Yes. And so that takes work and effort and energy. Same thing's true in business and your relationships. So I talked about the relationships with our realtors and what we do there, right? It's a relationship business. The more partnerships and relationships you can create, I'm not saying create a company that has 17 partners in it. I'm saying take your company and if you can partner with somebody to open a door, right? If you've got, if there's somebody who, for, like for us, when we got started, um, I had one, we got one partner that, that backed us financially with, with some money. Then we found another partner who had done a bunch of deals and I told him that we would we would go in and we would work on the house. We would put the construction together. We would run the construction if he would partner with us on the deal and and hold our hand through the process. Make sure that that we walked through the process and make sure we were we did everything properly that would help us succeed, right? And so that was a relationship that I created to help guide us in the direction of making sure that we succeeded on our first flip project, right? right? And so that's the case. Like you need to be a, you need to be surrounding yourself with the people that are performing and succeeding at exactly what it is you want to do, right? right? So if you have an income level that you want to meet in real estate, or if you have, if you want to own a certain number of properties, if you want, like, I don't look at it anymore about how many doors that we own. That's when I started out, we did. But what I look at is, have we optimized those doors and making exactly amount that we should be? Are we better, faster, more efficient with them? Right. Most efficient possibly with them. And how many, how many doors do I need operating at that level? to get me to a million dollars a month in net income. Right. That's what we want, right? And so you have to look at that and say, okay, well, here's how many doors, a range of how many doors I think it will take. Well, if we get this, if we get the lower number, can we make them as efficient as possible to, to make the number that we want on income? Right. Or do we have to get the, the, the higher number and not be quite as efficient, right? And so what, how, what helps that out though is partnerships. Like I like I just said a minute ago, I've got we've almost got seventy investors and partners across the U.S. that we work with, and we've partnered with them because we can offer them a solution to what they're looking to do, and they can offer us a solution to what we're looking to do. You know, it's it's people that want to own properties, 
but maybe they love being a doctor, they love being an attorney, well, right. they love being an accountant, and they have the capital to invest in property, but they don't have the time to do it. Great, that's what I do, and I love doing it. You continue doing what you love doing. We'll partner together. Yeah, absolutely. And build a portfolio. And then yeah. you build the cash flow. That, yeah. that word's really popular, and I think people confuse passive income with cash flow. Yeah, they do. I think those absolutely. get confused. Well, real estate, like, you can look at real estate. I mean, we've got a large portfolio of a number of properties. Um, we've got multifamily uh, apartments. We've got mobile home parks. We've got houses. Right. And that we hold long term. It's supposed to be passive cash flow. Real estate, full-time real estate investing is not passive. No. Like, it's, let's let's face it. I mean, it's not passive. Now, do I deal with tenants and toilets personally? No, my team does. Right. But it's a lot of work, right? Like, I, it, it takes a lot of work to run teams, run teams that operate in all of the markets that we're in. And, and so it's not that I just, I get to sit back on the beach and drink, you know, martinis. Yeah, and I always tell people if, and, if that existed, I already would have right? found yeah, it. Yeah, like, it doesn't. It's not, it's <laughs> not get rich quick and do nothing. You still have to put in work and effort, but it's passive in that I don't have to go swing a hammer every day. No. Right? I don't have to go show up in a cubicle as an accountant and work anymore. Right? I get to do what I enjoy. I can travel doing it. I can work a lot of what I can do can get done by the phone or the computer. Our one of my partners, Lee, our systems guy, his our our goal when we set up our business was first of all to get to, to we wanted to build a hundred million dollar real estate business. Right. Right. We wanted to get to a certain investment and uh, a certain income level. Okay. But his goal was to be able to build that and for the four of us partners to be able to run that business from anywhere with our where we could get internet our phone and our computer. Now we may be like I was in Hawaii, right? And I was in Hawaii doing some events, but I was able to get some of the work done because I could pull my computer out and, right. and you were and still able to be efficient. Done. Right, exactly. So we can do that from anywhere, but it still takes work and effort. Absolutely. So, you know, if you're just getting started and what should you be focusing on? You should be focusing on first breaking down a market, choosing a market, so you can go watch watch our uh, watch our YouTube video on on choosing a market and how we choose a market. Uh, then watch the breaking down a market and what we do. And then you need to start focus on generating leads and building relationships. It's a relationship business. Bing so, bang boom. I'm glad to be back. Um, we'll see you again next Good week. Good times, this man. I'm glad you're back week, too. So, exactly. All right, guys. Any questions? Pop them in, and uh, we'll get them answered. Shoot a DM, and we'll see you next time.